Hello, everyone. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and happen to be in the world. John, how are you doing this lovely morning on the West Coast? I, I am I am great. I got up at 5 a.m. I started working on some some fun stuff for uh, for level four. Okay. Uh, started, went for a run. Now I'm excited to be here. This is great. awesome. Well, it's another sunny day out here. Um, today, everyone, we've got FIRE, a sustainable and interoperable blockchain aiming to bring a paradigm shift for a for-profit from a for-profit to a for-benefit economy and enable the fifth industrial revolution. Super cool. Excited to talk to these guys. Um, I was reading a little bit of the white paper again last night, and uh, you know, it kind of vibes a little bit with the way that we've been thinking about the world, John, with you know, like you don't just maximize, maximize profit, profit to perpetuity, right? Like you just, you're, you're thinking about the world and, and these guys are tying their blockchain back to some of that for corporations, for countries, for everything. So today we're going to talk with uh, co-founders Pratik, Pratik and Vilma. Vilma will join us a couple minutes into the stream. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, if you could be so kind, please hit that subscribe button. Um, we're going to be bringing a lot more streams here over this year. We uh, are building this into our site. We're driving more people here. We're going to get the communications going. We're going to be doing giveaways. It's going to be great. Um, and finally, and as always, uh, we do not take payment for our live stream. Um, I don't really know too many other live streams out there that do this, by the way. Um, we're just bringing fun people on, cool people that we want to hear about that have dedicated their careers and lives to the space. Um, and we like to learn from them and ask a lot of, a lot of fun questions. So without further ado... Gentlemen, hello there. Hey, how are, how are you this? I think evening for both of you guys. Um, it will talk. I, I don't know if I'm saying, should I say it's Pratik and Pratik? It's the same kind of enunciation, right? So I don't know if I'm gonna have to say Pratik D or Pratik G to go. Well, for we solve the confusion by calling myself PD and he's PG, PD and PG. Okay. PD and PG. Cool. So, so welcome you guys. The way that we always like to start um, is just to hear where are, where are you in the world and uh, what's it like there. And maybe PG, we'll start with you. Thank you. Great to be on the show, um, Honor. Um, and yeah, I'm in Delhi right now in India, and it's 11:40 p.m. Um, here. I love that. Yeah, you guys are on the half hour, and like sometimes you forget that for us, like you know, but it's, it's kind of cool. Um, PD, where are you at? Well, I'm. Uh, I actually happen to be in Dubai, in uh, in 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 what we call, and I'm not trying to show off here, but it's just uh, it's in what's the tallest building in the world. Nice. So, so it's 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 pretty interesting here, and it's ten ten. So it's it's that happy uh, clock hour. So it's it's the perfect time to start something like this. Nice, and that that's the uh, Burj Khalifa. It's the Burj Khalifa. Khalifa. Yeah, it, was, it was it was good try. But, gotcha. Yeah. And because it was called, it was just called the Burj Dubai before, right? And then they changed the name. Well, I, I, I'm not going to yeah. pretend. That I don't know. I'm kinda, I was kind of, I remember when they built that. I'm from Chicago. So like there's architecture and there's other things that are being built. So I was yeah. super interested in that one. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your guys' background, um, you know, how you got just interested in, in blockchain and cryptocurrency just in general, um, and maybe a little bit about kind of what led you to where you guys are today. Um, so whoever wants to, to jump in, just go for it. Yeah. Start with the CEO. Okay, I'll start. Thanks for the... Yeah, so uh, my background is um, I've been in the social impact space for the last 15 years. Um, and when I was 16, I started promoting the idea of a fifth industrial revolution 
which is all about how can you make more money while you do more good to the world. So the, so the idea that I wanted to kind of promote was you can actually make more money if you want, if you do more good to the world. So the more good you do, the more money you make. And to prove that thesis, which kind of sounded chimerical back then, and nobody was able to uh, even believe it because people were speaking about the fourth industrial revolution. And I started building companies around the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, which are basically, you know, health tech, climate tech, renewable, solar, wind, uh, edutech. <clears throat> I've built eight companies in the past 15 years, all around the fifth industrial revolution theme, all around the UN SDGs, um, and was able to kind of have successful exits, kind of impact tens of millions of people, generate tens of millions of dollars, um, and was successfully able to prove the thesis of the fifth industrial revolution that you can actually make more, more money if you do more good to the world. And, you know, had the honor of representing this concept at uh, World Economic Forum Davos, Global Forum Oxford, Nobel Peace Prize Forum Oslo, United Nations General Assembly, spoke at a bunch of places where um, a lot of the cool people go. Uh, so, so yeah, did all of that. And, and, and then... And then you asked me, how do we enter uh, blockchain and crypto? And then I met Pratik and Vilma. And, uh, um, you know, I was an avid follower of blockchain, never started a company. This is my first company in the blockchain space, the ninth company that I founded with both of both Pratik and Vilma. And, and when we were discussing about this concept that I wanted to kind of promote, I was at an inflection point in my career. I was like, I'm, I'm impacting tens of millions of people through these companies. How do I scale this to a billion people? Because that's been my overarching goal of my life to basically impact one billion plus people positively. And then Pratik and Vilma and I kind of just brainstorming like, Let's start uh, the world's first sustainable blockchain ecosystem. And through that, we'll be able to impact a billion people. That's how I started getting more and more deeper, deeper, deeper into cryptocurrency and blockchain. And since then, it's been no looking back. It's the, it's the, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Amazing. And so for you, it's always been about sustainability. It's always been about large impact. It sounds yeah. like. Yeah, always. Yeah. And then uh, PD. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you uh, joined this crazy space. Well, um, with, the, with, with the background, I've, I've always been um, a, a sales guy in a sense because I always loved psychology, always loved sales in a sense. And uh, uh, my, 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 most of my career has been into hardcore internet marketing. So I was, I was, I was working pretty closely with, with teams in Facebook, spoke all around the world in marketing conferences, spent uh, quite a lot of, um, uh, you know, funding and money of my own in, into, into, into marketing. And at a, at a point in my life, uh, three, three years ago, almost, I did not, uh, money wasn't motivating me anymore. So I retired. Uh, I'm quite old. So uh, then uh, I was I was just I was just figuring out what I want to do and spiritually I also wanted to create more impact so I started looking into uh, into into things that 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 sort of help out in a sense and uh, with with blockchain I've always been a follower like I've, I I bought my first Bitcoin at like seven dollars for kind of dubious reasons to be honest which are beyond the scope of this call a little bit but uh, but eventually read the white paper. Uh, back in 13 14 i think and i was absolutely blown away by by, by the technology and then started following as a vc as as somebody who was who was a silent investor in in, in blockchain companies and uh, blockchain projects that that excited me and um, when i retired i i just i just didn't want to work for for, for money anymore and uh, just wanted to chill and i was living uh, in europe on a beach for for a good two years uh until i met prateek and he, he spoke about his crazy ideas about the fifth industrial revolution and changing the world from for for profit to for benefit. And and at first I was like, bro, like, 
can you please stop with your communist you know non profit mindset and, and, was, and then, because i couldn't understand the scope of what he was saying and then he explained that it's not not non profit it's for benefit which means that you can make money while helping people or you can make more money while doing more good and that hit home because in a sense that's the essence of economic activity you know you you help people and you make money at the same time so that's when he started talking seriously about our, about his inflection of as as he mentioned where he was not able to scale this to billions of people which was a common point between the two of us where we wanted to do something with with huge impact and um, and that's when we came up with fire of course i've met i've known wilma for quite a long time now it's been almost 10 years since we were kids uh, we met in a in a conference in in hong kong and i've always been in touch with her followed her work and and that's how when the three of us got together and created fire and and tried to I mean, it's not solve. Solve is a very strong word, but to cater to the to the problem of sustainability in blockchain and adoption in general. Amazing. I'm I'm um, fascinated with the you know the the concept of helping people and making money at the same time, like you were just saying. Uh, you know, give us give us some examples of that. And I, I think we've. I'm also curious. You know, how how does that impact corporations and and you know public companies? Um, you know, I remember reading a whole sustainability report from Starbucks a few years back. Um, but I, tell us more about that. Tell us how you see that unfolding. Well, from a, um, um, Pratik, you could take this as well because you're definitely more qualified than I am. But from a very layman perspective, uh, I see us um, in a, in, a, in, a, in sort of an exponential curve where we are right at the breaking point where sustainability is now defining profitability. So, for instance. um a tesla is way more profitable than it, it could have ever been 15 20 years ago and that's because people do care about about clean energy now and it's it's important it's also uh, you know cost effective it also does not mess up the world um, selling juices um, selling healthy juices is more more profitable than selling a coke than it the, it was ever before so i think it's just a natural curve for humankind where we where we we're going towards this 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 new paradigm where where um, sustainability is going to be profitability there's no other way for us to go so i think that's those are some broader examples i feel from a from a from a spiritual perspective of where we're going but pratik i think that's that's a better question for yeah, you what, yeah what yeah what was the exact question uh well you know uh pd mentioned that you know making money and um you know uh helping people at the same time um yeah. you know and i was i was asking you know what are some examples of that how do you see that unfolding and also impacting um corporations public companies um and i i referenced uh you know reading like the sustainability report for starbucks as an example and and oh yeah yeah so things like yeah. that so how do you see this unfolding yeah yeah very very good question by the way so i've been so this is kind of like let me just run you through a live use case which we are trying to do um and they'll probably give you an idea so um there's a big uh campaign i don't know if you guys know about a company called rekit binkiser but it's a multi billion dollar company which owns harpic lysol detol and a bunch of other brands uh in the health hygiene home space um and one of their brands is harpic which is a toilet cleaner uh one of the largest toilet cleaner brands in the world and uh what we're doing with them um you know we've been championing with them something called mission pani in india pani is a hindi word for water so basically what we're doing with them is uh we mobilize it's a very unique way of marketing so we do a bunch of unique stuff to to prove the thesis that you can actually make money by doing good but this is one of them so it's by mobilizing their marketing dollars towards social enterprises um which are actually working on sanitation so for instance 
uh, we're working on a large campaign when money comes from the marketing budget, not the CSR budget. Like we, so money comes from the marketing budget. It flows through our donor advice fund, which is inbuilt into a tokenomics. So treat us like a bank where we make money uh, on every transaction that happens through. So we, we so it's a win-win-win. It's an omni-win between the Fortune 500 company, uh, FIRE, and the social enterprise. So the money moves, comes to us, goes to social enterprises, which are actually building toilets in tier two and tier three cities where the brand doesn't have any reach. I mean, you can't reach those places or consumers. You can't bend those consumers towards you by traditional print or media or other, other forms of marketing. So imagine the money flows through that in the form of fire tokens. And when the money gets mobilized, it actually, um, uh, by building toilets, it actually expedites the progress towards sustainable development goal six, which is clean water and sanitation of the United Nations. So it's hitting a social goal, but it is also hitting KPIs of the Fortune 500 brand, which are more like brand warmth and other branding metrics. So we, as a company, are basically linking KPI-based performance to SDG aligned impact, basically making sure the KPIs are hit on the marketing side and the SDGs are being met on the social impact side using the shared language of the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Um, um, uh, so that's 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 just one of the examples. We're doing a bunch of stuff, um, um, you know, with with multiple governments. So we are working with five stakeholders for now. I mean, mostly uh, on the adoption side. First is government. Second is Fortune 500. Third is celebrities, fourth are universities, and um, fifth are family offices, which are focused on the environmental social governance goals and impact. I would also like to mention a second example. As the fire chain holds this data or manages data management of Fortune 500 on chain, currently there are 40 companies. Uh, 40 countries in the world with all, with a medium salary, not minimum, medium salary of under $400. So what we enable with those citizens is host Fire App on their phone and gain money on governing through Fire Application. So they are participating in uh, key decisions of Fortune 500s while getting paid of hosting encrypted data of a Fortune 500 enterprise. Enterprise gets brand awareness, enter enterprise gets their data validated, they get transparency of their data, and the customer itself or the provider of this storage, who can be anyone in Philippines, Indonesia, Nigeria, gets more money than what their governments pays them, as well as gets an identity through fire chain because one third of the population in the world has no identity and therefore they don't have uh, access to financial uh, institution. They are financially non uh, included. So they don't have access to credit. They don't have access to, uh, for example, land registry. So even if they own land, they cannot take loans against the land because then their government haven't provided them identity. So from fire part, they get first of all included in the economy through having an application in their phone, which at the same time provides them decentralized identity, which again in the fire chain provides them capability to loan against their assets that they have. So I would say uh, inclusivity, uh, creation of economic opportunities, as well as of course, um, reduction of poverty, 
because currently we are opening up ambassadorships as well as um, data storage uh, capabilities of citizens of over 40 countries, which are exactly these countries that have uh, minimum salary under $150 and medium salary $400. Thanks, Vilma. And it's great to see you. Thanks for popping on here. Uh, we didn't get a chance to hear a little bit about your background. So maybe you can just tell us who you are real quick and then we'll keep moving. Yeah. So I'm Vilma, been in the space for the past eight years. Uh, when I started, the space was definitely very uh, different. I built a uh, first Australian exchange in 2016. And since 2015, have been investing in plus 68 crypto ventures, including four unicorns, which are obviously many of us know, uh, Hedera, Hashgraph, and Tron, uh, VeChain, etc. And most of my investments are towards the uh, implementation of uh, blockchain infrastructure in the supply chain management or data storing or IoT and blockchain or then enhancement of cross-chain capabilities of web systems. And uh, while I joined uh, Empire as co-founder, uh, due to the fact that we have a mission of, of build, impacting one billion people, and we found that there are two very significant problems, um, such as accessibility to the blockchain space, as well as uh, sustainability. So we consider, as a VC, I consider those to be the most expensive problems in the space to solve. So that's a hint about me. And before crypto, I was a lawyer in the European Union, of, of course, with the mission to help people. And here, the same applies to the crypto industry. First of all, of course, help people as well as circulate good, what is also the mission of FIRE. And in addition to that, of course, provide financial inclusivity to uh, not just uh, in the crypto space, but expand the crypto's decentralized and democratized, democratized models to, to uh, a traditional industry, as well as provide, for example, payment gateway and liquidity to, to, to fit the ecosystem. Awesome. I love how, like you said, you're a lawyer, but you have to caveat, like I was a good lawyer though. Um, everyone, <laughs> lawyers are not in a good, a good spot right now. Um, it, now. Before we get a little bit further in, into fire, I, I mean, it sounds like all of you have done a little bit of investing, you know, in, in your careers and in, in been in this space um, and in, invested in projects that are in this space as well. Maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, what you learned from some of that process um, in the earlier days uh, and how that kind of translated into the way that you thought about launching this project because it is a new thing. Um, and I've kind of like John and I are talking about, well, if we went back and did this again, you know, how would we have done it a little bit differently? It's like almost like, well, you might never have a second chance, right? And you might never want to go do something. You're like, hey, I'm like, I'm doing this forever, right? Um, but the only opportunity to learn was like these little investments and little things along the way. So um, they'll start in the top right, like PD, like, you know, what, what, what did you learn before that made you think about a different way of how you want to approach this? Well, the, the biggest uh, the biggest learning that I've had, not just from the blockchain space, just from marketing, is that build the project that's not good in your head, but build a, build a project that's 
that that the that the market wants the market needs so i think i think um, one of the biggest uh, caveats into investing um, in in the past few years was building in uh, investing in projects that excited me but i i was not able to do enough market research to understand that this is not solving an expensive enough problem this is not something this is not something that excites everybody uh, and and that's why we we went on to make sure where on in the conceptualizing stages of 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 fire that we had to we had to make sure that this is a problem that is for everybody to 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 understand and for for us to solve for 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 a large chunk of the society so i think i think it was just uh, on a ideological level just just understanding what the what the market is and what the market wants rather than what i want and what excites me that's that's been the biggest takeaway from from my investment in the past because i've had a few that excited me that that did not go well because it was just just not the space and that's not the need for that no it makes sense yeah for sure i don't know if anyone else wants to tackle that one a little bit yes i think definitely accessibility the fact that mm, it doesn't matter how much you know if the right people don't know you uh, applies also to the technology definitely if the technological level is at the level that uh, it's not comprehensive or a mass markets or markets are not ready or there is not intellectual capability or readiness to adapt that kind of solution it doesn't matter how good the project is so that's why we for example do smart contract templates or hide uh, private public uh, frame key framework and do for example web tree addresses or with normal alphabet semantics not 0x321 uh, etc uh, we have uh, don't show anything that has any types of um cryptographic or numeric uh, or hash uh, or private key functions or anything related to you needing to know solidity or rust so i think that definitely the biggest learning is that uh, when i send a message on messenger i don't know how voice messaging or telecommunication operators technology background looks like but currently, when you are, for example, uh, executing a smart contract, you will need to know. So moving from from um, uh, technological tech, technological uh, technology that is only focused on tech people to technology that is focused on humanity and everyone and providing accessibility to everyone. That's that's the biggest learning. Thanks. PG, any comments on what you what you experienced before and how that led into the the some changes maybe that you made in launching Fire? Yeah, uh, one is, uh, you know, um, I mean, a lot of them, but 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 one would be uh, the project should be agnostic of crypto winters, uh, meaning because I've seen a lot of projects actually bloom uh, when when there is a bull run and then die. So I think the focus on uh, the product and the team, you know, the, I mean, the team should be as diverse as they can. And it, it applies to any kind of startup that I've invested in personally as well, meaning um, they should have like, for instance, if you see, and that's what we applied in FIRE, like because I built eight companies before this, and then I've invested in so, so many in both traditional finance, crypto. And then I realized that the team should be very diverse, different backgrounds and different geographies as well, if you really want to create something massive. So like, 
with uh, the three of us also it's complete different backgrounds um, uh, marketing social impact and blockchain so it's a perfect blend uh, that the three of us do um, and and I think uh, that's that's a big learning uh, that I had in my previous companies and also with my previous investments which I think we took to I took to fire I love that I love that the geography part yeah you know, I, I don't think that people understand just how like you could say crypto is on a global scale, but until you're like working in the space, you don't actually realize it until you have meetings at 1 a.m. and you're working 18 hours and you're not trying to. It's just that your users are everywhere. Correct. I that's such a big point. I mean, it makes life so easy, right? For instance, when if you're in different geographies, when I am sleeping, probably one of the other uh, other per person is awake. I mean, it's as simple as this. And then the community is completely different. Of course, crypto is a very global community. And um, to activate that global community, it's, it's very, very, like, and it's way easier if you're all coming from different, uh, different uh, uh, countries or continents, even better, so that you can activate them because you would have different networks. And it's, it's all, it's all about about once you've built a technology, then it's all about how quickly you can activate those networks and, and put, you know, it's just about solving a puzzle, right? You just want to put the pieces of the puzzle in the right space as you're building a company and taking it from, you know, zero to, um, you know, billions of dollars if you were, and, and impact billions of people. It's all about how well you fit the puzzle actually determines the success. And I think that's why geography, diverse geography, diverse background mattered a lot. It's so funny because I, I literally think we say we're solving puzzles every single day <laughs> like, yeah. internally at our, at our company. It really, it feels like you're playing chess all day. Yeah. Yeah. And so hey, what's right, what's, yeah, unless anyone else has a comment on that. I mean, I just, I wanted to hear a little bit about for you guys, like what what is coming here in the next couple of weeks, next 30 days, like what's right kind of in front of our face for you guys that you're working on right now? Um. Oh, a lot of cool stuffs happening. So I, I think I, uh, one is of course uh, we are very, uh, very, very soon going to be announcing our Series A fundraise, uh, which basically also lends us uh, financial, uh, a lot of financial stability because our first round was twenty one million. We wrapped it up in twenty one days, and uh, now we're going to be announcing our Series A with a very large financial institution of the United States of America. So that's going to happen uh, in the next uh, 15, 30 days. Then the other thing that we have also uh, we are looking at is. Um, on the adoption side, I think I mentioned about the five stakeholders. So uh, we're getting deeper and deeper into those five to get adopted as our testnet goes live very soon. So I think in the next 15, 30 days, we're looking at our testnet go going live. And then we're also looking at getting adopted by more governments, more Fortune 500s, uh, more universities, more MOUs with um, uh, celebrities, so on and so forth. So, uh, So one is, I think, on the fundraising side the second i would say mm -hmm. is the adoption side and then um uh, Wilma can also speak on a lot of the tech updates that are happening because we're making great progress uh, on the tech side as well in terms of rolling out our testnet. Um, and then also on the hiring side, we actually just recruited or hired um, as a part of our adoption team, a guy who basically was in the leadership team of Microsoft India and then was a leadership team at Tata Trust. Uh, Tata is one of the biggest companies in India, by the way. So, yeah, so we're, we're, we're very lucky to also be, um, um, you know, having some really 
very good, good people, talented people with great IQ and, and EQ, both in the leadership team. So we're actually mm -hmm. actively, you will see us announcing a lot of the cool people uh, on, on even the leadership team and even the advisory boards. You will see us announcing some really good, good people on the advisory board in the next 15, 30 days. Vilma can probably elaborate more on what we are doing currently um, on the tech side as well. Yes, so Testnet is going live, and in addition to that, we also uh, acquired an NFT marketplace to complete the uh, Fire ecosystem, as well as we are building exchange mostly to start with with the Indian market. Uh, this our exchange already has banking partners as well as two hundred thousand point of sale at the moment, which means that people will start. People will be able to uh, do retail payments uh, through our exchange with uh, INR, BTC, INR, Fire gateways, which is currently not possible, for example, not, not even respect uh, Bazaar X, which is a Binance acquired exchange in India. And as everyone here knows, India market is very, very uh, underserved in terms of infrastructure. Uh, in addition to that, our wallet is uh, uh, evolving very rapidly. What we are doing from the wallet side is we are hosting every everyone's wallets on Web3, our own servers rather than uh, World Wide Web, due to the fact that we want to have an DSN ecosystem from where Fire uh, provides top-level domains in different chains which have cross-chain capability, meaning that to the Fire uh, address, which is, for example, in this case, uh, lunarcross.web3 or l.web3 or hard.web3 because it can be symbol or semantic uh, letter, letter or any type of, of sign, even Chinese sign, dot web tree. And it can, uh, it, when you send assets or NFTs or files, so we have IPFS compatibility. If you send any of those to the, to the wallet, it's uh, uh, chain agnostic, meaning that you can send either BTC, you can send Ethereum, you can send uh, Binance Smart Chain, and it goes everything to the same wallet, meaning that we don't need bridges, which is a very large step towards accessibility in the crypto ecosystem, because it's it's very hard from part of many individuals to use bridges between chains, and then swap here and there, and change DEXs, and what about all those customers that cannot do KYC, how do they even acquire BNB, etc. Uh, and how do they swap it? So we simplify that by enabling sending uh, coins of any chain into the same Web3 address, the address itself, or to a phone number. So we are in, in talks with the multiple telco companies due to the fact that um, uh, mobile numbers are becoming pretty non-relevant. You only use your phone number for, for two-factor authentication and you hold all your meetings on Zoom and, and Google Meetups. Therefore, we are solving the problem of telecommunication uh, companies uh, by providing them the opportunity to integrate payments to the phone number itself through FireChain. And I'm right now here in, in Saudi Arabia, um, 
uh, signing some of our MOUs with some uh, telco companies in MENA region. Uh, in addition to that, what we do is, as mentioned before, we uh, have in Firechain, we have natively coded the capability to transact files on blockchain because as we know, the only uh, providers in crypto space to, to uh, file storing uh, are Arbeef and Filecoin and they don't have cross-chain capability. So what do I do if I have my files on Filecoin? I cannot really do anything with that. So what do we do is you can send files from any chain to any other chain, encrypted filing uh, and even to the phone number itself. So that those are some of the updates that will be coming from, from FIRE in the next one to three months. And we are really looking forward to this, uh, to be able to integrate more people to the crypto Web3 ecosystem by not them not even knowing that it's, that it's crypto itself when they get onboarded because they only need to know their phone number and press send. That's it. Also on the more fun side, we also are developing a social responsible NFT calendar. So you'll be seeing a lot of um, SDG based or uh, charity or awareness based NFT jobs coming in on Women's Day, on the World Cricket Day, funnily enough, or uh, and these, these different events uh, where, we, where we are making sure that uh, it is not just an NFT drop, but it's something that uh, that sends a message uh, that aligns with the value system of the company. So we, you'll be seeing a lot of uh, NFTs from the fireside with specific sustainable development goals and, and these kind of areas as well in the next three months. Even Pratik, you can maybe elaborate also on the happiness blockchain that we've kind of, uh, so we've yes. also acquired, um, uh, we're in process of actually announcing an acquisition again, um, the one of a kind happiness blockchain in India. And we are, we're partnering with, uh, we've partnered with AICT, which is the Higher Technology Council uh, Education Body of India, which basically through which we have access to um, about 8 million um, grade 10, grade 12 kids. Uh, and all their academic credentials and um, all their degrees and all everything gets uh, gets stored on our um, uh, blockchain. And also, there's something which which is very actually very very innovative that we created, which is the happiness index, which we're also acquiring. Pradeep, you might want to uh, build more than that. Well, it's 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 a happiness index where you have twelve different factors, and uh, we're in talks and almost I mean the closing with the government where it'll be mandated for. Uh, not not really mandatory, but it'll be it'll be the the all the colleges and the schools will be required to download uh, the happiness app, so, which is on our blockchain, and they'll be they'll be able to report their happiness index. Some simple things like how was your last day, how do you expect your your today is going to be, and then you'll you'll have a green, red, and yellow um, categorization on based on the amount of downloads and the amount of usage uh, from the students of the schools and colleges based on the usage of the app. So uh, it's that will give us access to a lot of uh, different students around around the country. And also we'll make, we'll make sure again that we are able to help out students by 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 affecting their daily lives in a sense. We've designed uh, along with the, the, the founder of the app, 12 different uh, points, data points, which, which sort of 
which sort of cater to balance in life and uh, and we'll be collecting data for the government as well uh, on those 12 points as well so so i think that's something that that really we're looking forward to because that that's again falls in, into the into the idea of making money while helping people and, and i think it's going to help a lot of students around around the country as well and also begin educating people on blockchain as well through uh, this and fire school of excellence which is also a school that we're building to uh, to educate young kids on blockchain where we take them from uh, blockchain uh, people who do not know anything about blockchain to in 6 months where they are, were able to uh, code a basic smart contract on our chain as well so i think those are the two things again we're looking forward to and uh, could you also touch on the current pilot program that we have for around 200 million in 200 million people in assam india Yes, so we have we have um, a smart policing MOUs in different states in India. That um, of course India is a populous country. We have one in UP which has 200 million people, where we're developing uh, predictive policing and data management systems for the police. Because right now, uh, to be honest, I, I went I went to the place where they store their data and it was absolutely insane. So we're bringing bringing all of that on blockchain, increasing the ease of use, also making sure that they're able to make decisions based on based on that data that we collect through predictive policing and also traffic management because traffic has been an incessant huge issue in india if you've been there you'll realize that you cannot you cannot really walk on the road 300 meters without something absolutely random happening so 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 we'll be able to help the police with a change to make sure that they're able to proactively prevent accidents proactively proactively make sure that there there is enough manpower because there's also the issue of not there not being enough police in India for uh, for for the amount of people there are. So uh, we we're designing this with them so to make sure that they are able to optimize their policing activities along in the chain. So those things are going on, and the pilot, the first pilot, is going to start this week itself actually. Because the MOU was signed last last month, and we're just in the process of sending our team over to to port the data over and then begin the process. So you guys are doing so much. And and obviously, like if you're talking about doing social good, there's so many things you could do. How do you how do you narrow down what to do and when to do it? How, what 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 kind of process do you have in place to do that? And, and really to align the team around that as well. Yes. So of course, our primordial interest is to build a open source chain where people can build solutions that benefit the humanity but a chain that which consensus is not based on who has most money or who ha uses the most electricity uh, rather than in sustainability uh, driven factors. That's why we scrape uh, plus 650 data points of United Nations to create an algorithm where we can give a weight for every uh, sustainable development goals uh, according to the requirements of United Nations. Obviously, we cannot ourselves decide what is good, what is bad, how should the consensus be framed. Uh, therefore, all of those requirements comes from the scoring United Nations gives for the SDGs itself. Uh, so, uh, um, concluding to, to your question, what we aim, of course, to provide as a primordial interest, it's a platform based on mutual good by rewarding those actors that provide, make good for the community and good for the world. The more good you do, the more you, you will get paid. Therefore, you get paid for doing good. Yeah. 
and to build on top of that it's been it's we've been lucky because you know you attract yeah, what you are so with our messaging we've been lucky enough that people who are contacting us are the kind of people who who care who are who people who are working towards the sdgs people who who are working towards good so we haven't we haven't really had the chance to go on and go ahead and look for partners ourselves the partners are are coming to us because they want to also make sure that they they contribute to the to the ecosystem and they contribute to the world uh, by proxy as well so uh, we haven't we haven't really been you know going out and and trying to understand if somebody's trying to do good there they've been coming to us so that's been that's been a very lucky thing and and how does that consensus work where like you know you go to a a company and you're like hey you start building on this and you can prove that you know you're rewarded like Vilma said not for like energy and money but you're rewarded for what you're doing like how do you how do, like who scores the united nations like how do i go and like prove to them that i did these things that map back to you know what you guys have kind of developed for like establishing like this kind of like social good like are they is there something that they get like submit to them like that is like that seems like if they've got to submit something then they've got to approve something like how is this all working would you like to go through that uh particularly yes yes so i mean it's it's not the reason why we built this on rust is because the question because of focus upgradeability so uh the the definition of sustainability will change in the future so right now what is based on is a decentralized voting system where every single validator will will have a report and the the people who will vote will decide if what the sustainability score is and that's that's what the system the initial system is but we are consistently putting out more research more white papers where in the future when we'll start collecting more and more sustainability data from the ESGs from the fortune 500s we'll be able to create a system through um, through artificial intelligence and machine learning as well where we'll be able to do it uh, in uh, um, in on our technological level as well but right now it is based out of a decentralized voting system basically so right now what is sustainable it's way uh ways of reward mechanism on staking and governance and in what is right now the consensus based consensus is based on scraping 650 search sources through api of live data of sustainability reports which are public uh, from world economic forum united nations as well as enterprise associations which make uh, sustainable uh, reports public to gather that data together and why how do we measure that data first of all we determined regarding the united nations requirements of what means for them sustainable to what do we give more weight in the ranking of who is sus sub uh, who is uh, compliant for being sustainable and we made a mathematic model of weighting each of the parameters of united nations and putting a percentage of those requirements together and respect those we made calculations in the same manner or of how united nations ranks enterprises on what is good what is bad what is considered Uh, contributing to SDG one, SDG two, and their subclasses, and from there we created a way framework uh, corresponding, correlated directly to the weights we give to each of those SDGs, and measure that on our validators. Therefore, if uh, so, uh, if United Nations requirements re 
consider that, for example, Huawei is more sustainable than, for example, Unilever. We don't want to interfere as a third party or as bias bias entity because it's United Nations Sustainable Development Goals for the 2030. Therefore, they decided it, and that's our consensus is based on the frameworks of their political decisions when determining determined what is sustainable and what is not. Therefore, in what have we based the consensus itself? Consensus is based on the uh, publicly reported data and sensor-driven life data on, for example, if the water temperature is higher than normally in that date, in that place, that is obviously part of the climate change where we measure it with United Nations to affecting some of the SDGs. Therefore, it's not that complex that one would consider taking in consideration that in sustainability reporting, you need to provide a framework of your enterprise. That's why most of our validators are enterprises and that enterprises apply to be a validator because they want an external auditing of their current sustainability so, uh, situation as well as they want their customers to vote on decisions and govern from their part because that's indirect customer uh, feedback as well as the customers get rewarded by doing so. So, for example, uh, we have uh, booking.com who joined us who thought that it's very important to have have public information of their current enterprise uh, solution because it's not just for the end clients, it's also for their providers. So if you have all of, all, all of your data on our chain, uh, you will be, you don't need to have cross-country uh, uh, data management solutions because on chain your providers and clients can see that this is valid this is verified and that's also for example why for example uh, coca-cola is interested in us because they take many sustainability initiatives and it's like in in few years five years ago uh, organic stamp was a thing but right now, can you really in supply chain management level verify that that product is organic? So that's why we do the sustainability reporting by auditing respect to what United Nations considers sustainable. Gotcha. So there's a public data feed from the United Nations that establishes okay. kind of where someone sits on this spectrum. And then what you guys are doing is rewarding the people that based on that currently. And so it, that's where it sits today. Yes, and why do we use, for example, proprietary oracles? Due to the fact that, let's say, if we co would collaborate with Chainlink, uh, they don't have those weights that we have calculated in mathematical modeling. And obviously, they have their own, uh, we can implement our own data sources. However, as it's live information, it needs to be coming directly. That's the fastest way of, of getting it uh, in our chain in Addition to that, why do we do, for example, on substrate the same chain to the forecast of credibility? Because we aim to add more customization and palettes and change some aspect of uh, consensus itself to modify it regarding United Nations uh, requirements because uh, they are currently the authority that determines what's correct and what's not. 
Great. No, I appreciate that. Um, so we are getting a little, little close on time. Um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you guys think about creating your community, um, you know, with how important that is in this space. And it's, you know, you've got a lot of different places to go, like you said, different geographies, different countries and companies that have different value propositions. It seems like you're tying that back to the UN and kind of what they're doing there. Um, but how do you go like sell into a fortune 500 versus sell into a, like a, family office like there's these kind of different things but i'm just wondering how you guys think about who your community is and how you're going to tie that together so so yeah so uh so the community that we're targeting um is split into two one is b2b and the other is b2c right um and that, that's the way we've kind of addressing in 2022 uh for our beta version we've been um uh, you know very focused on just uh five buckets or five stakeholders for now uh on the b2b side uh which are of course as i said uh governments fortune 500s um uh, celebrities so uh, governments it's mostly predictive policing um land registration smart policing, as we just shared, um, uh, agriculture on, on, on the blockchain, and a bunch of stuff with governments. Then on the Fortune 500 side, it's mostly going to be around supply chain, uh, bringing their supply chain on our um, uh, blockchain. Then when I talk about celebrities, that's a third bucket. Um, it's mostly going to be through a donor advice fund uh, where the marketing dollars get actually mobilized into social impact Um and then the fourth is universities. Uh, we part, we're actively going to partner with universities to uh, get the student records on a blockchain and get all the academic credentials on chain. Uh, and fifth is, as, as I said, family offices. But uh, to be specific, it's impact uh, uh, family offices, which are focused on uh, the ESG metrics, environmental, social governance goals. So uh, we also, you know, um, host and sponsor some of the world's largest family office summits. And uh, the last one we hosted was uh, in 2019, where we invited 150 families um, and the collective wealth was more than $2 trillion to be mobilized towards impact investing. So we are trying to activate all of those families as well on the blockchain. Um, uh, so that's on the B2B side. Now, if you were to talk about B2C, then um, of course we are hosting a lot of tech hackathons, almost uh, four hackathons uh, every, every month uh, to mobilize the developer community um, uh, to start building on top of us and start using Firechain um, as a layer one blockchain when they build uh, dApps on our chain. So that's on the B2B side. And then we are actively um, uh, you know, um, uh, doing a lot of AMAs with a lot of communities. And we've kind of split the community, as I said, in diverse geographies. So um, every every country-wise, we have we're appointing country ambassadors uh, in almost every country who are going to be bringing the um, uh, crypto community, building the crypto community there for us. And then, um, and then we're going to be actively helping them uh, and democratize the entire blockchain space because we are a layer one. So our, our first goal is also to democratize the space so as to have more people enter the space um, uh, and, and reduce the barrier to entry with, with most of the products that we have. Like, for instance, as Wilma was sharing, our, our wallet is very easy to use. It's not it's not tough to use. You don't need to even remember a hexadecimal address or you don't need, need to be a blockchain pro to kind of use blockchain. So that, that's where we're going towards, where we want to bring more people into the space and, um, and keep building the community on the B2C side through developers in different countries and on the B2B side through those five stakeholders. Awesome. 
I did want to hear just a little bit about those hackathons and like, has anything kind of cool been built? Like you said, you guys are doing like four a month. Like you got anything cool that's out there that people are thinking about? We are starting now in February and actually the first one will be uh, in Dubai Expo. And then we have hackathon with Huawei. So each of these hackathons will of course have one theme. Uh, this month we will have um, themes as digital identity, we will have uh, solving sustainability crisis, and then we will have um, uh, e-governance, uh, public anonymity hackathon, as well as uh, encrypted data storage, um, building on, on, on storing data uh, with a with public anonymity as well, with public anonymity, meaning that if you met the condition, uh, you can execute the action without you revealing your, your personal information. Therefore, we are launching testnet and we start from this month running around three to four per month. Amazing. I'm going to ask one question that is a big polarizing question, just to sort of end this discussion. I mean, you're you're so, you're also focused on sustainability. What what are your views on Bitcoin and Bitcoin's sustainability? I mean, you've got you got people over on one side saying, "Yep, wasteful," and you got another side saying, "Wait, it's it's efficient energy utilization." Where do you sit? I like that question personally. I remember when 2016, someone in Australia uh, started growing tomatoes on his BTC farm due to the claiming the, the environmental impact of Bitcoin. And obviously the heat is suitable for, for vegetable farming. Uh, I would say definitely Bitcoin is environmentally slightly damaging. However, printing paper money, cutting trees for the money and uh, endangering people's life for, for uh, producing coins as well as printing the papers of the money. It's first of all, very costly. Secondly, very dangerous. And thirdly, even more environmentally damaging as well as due to the fact that BTC nowadays we have ag weather agnostic mining rigs. We have hydropower and wind farms. I would say in some kind, some cases, the BTC farms are very multi-used uh, uh, locations for, for not just for, for BTC mining, but for other purposes as well, as well as when they are weather agnostic I don't see Bitcoin detrimental. I see Bitcoin as uh, um, money of the people and currency of the people and definitely more environmentally friendly than cutting trees and printing money, physical money. Yeah. Also, things are relative. Like Bitcoin is the first of its kind in a long, long time. So uh, they have set the precedent that is not to say that we can't improve on that precedent or we cannot do better. They started something uh, something that's that's never been done before. It was a revolution. 
and now it's upon us uh you know you guys us or 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 people like us who really believe in the space to make sure that what they have done becomes better and more and more and more environmentally friendly and that's what we're trying to do but not we're not trying to say that this is less or more environmentally friendly because then we'll we'll get into that whole rigmarole about what's good and what's bad and and why is why is paper money better or why is why is the other money better i just think they have changed the game they have they have introduced something that is absolutely revolutionary and i think it's upon us to now make it better and make sure that it becomes the best version of itself awesome well gals and guys and john appreciate it we did about an hour um i'm looking forward to seeing you guys got a lot going on um, yeah i'm looking for looking forward to seeing um, a lot of this stuff built because I think the way that you guys are thinking about, about the world and what you're trying to build here um, is important. And it's a, it's a good conversation that needs to be had. Um, you know, when thinking about, you know, building in first principles, you have, if, if you're thinking about this from the start, um, it lives through the life cycle of what you build. So um, we'll be rooting you on for sure. Um, but just want to let everyone know, like, where do they, where do they find you guys? Um, maybe just give a shout out to the site and your Twitter and um, we'll, we'll call it a day. Yes. Definitely. So fire can be found at 5ire.org. Rilma can be found at Crypto Ideas on Twitter. That's it. Just Crypto Ideas. And then Pratik. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Other Pratik, carry on. Yeah, so <laughs> I think was just... So we are, we are, I mean, you can actively find us on, as Wilma mentioned, on, on Twitter by, um, on, on Firechain, 5-I-R-E-C-H-A-I-N, Firechain, that's our Twitter handle. You can um, uh, log in to the website, fire.org, it's 5-I-R-E.org. Um, I, um, I am on Twitter at uh, Pratigori, like the same handle. Um, and we are very active even on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. So yeah, you can even find us on Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, all the three of us uh, with the same names. So, yeah. Yeah. And I can I can be found at Pratik underscore fire in pretty much uh, every platform. Uh, also, I just like before we leave, we'll, we've been very tied up with all these partnerships, but now we're trying to do a lot of fun stuff. So uh, you guys, uh, whoever wants to join the Telegram, will be organizing some uh, cool tournaments, uh, starting with a fire ecosystem FIFA tournament. So uh, please be my guest and, and we'll be doing a lot of uh, fun things in the community in the next uh, next couple of months. I've also, we've also started being more active in the, in the Telegram group and now you'll see us hanging out more. I was there today as well. So uh, looking forward to talking to you guys in the, in the, in the groups and, and playing some FIFA with you guys as well. Cool. And yeah, official. And Twitter spaces, yes. Yeah. I yeah, mean, you, you, get, you get to meet people in FIFA and win fire tokens and save the world. I mean, there cannot be a better proposition than that. Well, <laughs> yeah, Pratik literally says that if somebody beats him in FIFA, because he claims he's amazing, and if somebody beats him in FIFA, we're ready to give you some bonus. All right. So every single person <laughs> who beats him at FIFA will get uh, will get uh, $500 worth of fire tokens from my side. Let's just, let's just well, take it that. Uh, just, just you know, FIFA against Pratik in the tallest building in the world. I love it. Just like keep, just keep the line. Get, the line could be long, and everyone could be inside as you just crush them in this game. So, good point. I love it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Let's have a great day, and uh, thank everyone for listening and being a part of this. And we will see you next. Awesome. Thank you, Lunar Crush team, and follow Lunar Crush. They have been doing amazing job. Yes. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank Definitely Bye. follow Luna Crush.